I would like to do one more message from Judges this morning. If you'd uh, be finding the book of Judges comes uh, right after uh, the book of Joshua. And uh, uh, find the last chapter in Judges, Judges chapter 21. And uh, we'll start here and end here. Judges 21 verse 25. While you're finding that, let me uh, just remind everybody, I I probably announced previous, but um, we are going to have an outreach, community outreach, back to the bricks uh, on uh, this Wednesday at our Bristol Road location. Uh, I want to invite everybody and come and get a hot dog, uh, hand out water, and just uh, help us there. We'll be uh, reaching out to the community at Bristol Road uh, this Wednesday. And then next Sunday morning, we're planning a uh, baby dedication day. So if you have a baby, you want to have join, participate in dedication day uh, next Sunday morning, you have one week, and we're going to be having a great Sunday morning next Sunday. Judges chapter 21, verse 25. In those days... There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The book of Judges is called Judges because uh, there on occasion would be a time when the people of Israel needed a special deliverer or protector um, There was no kings at this time, as it's stated in the text. But occasionally, some leader would need to rise up and protect the people, deliver them from a foreign invader. And they would be the decision makers for a a season. We looked at one last week on Gideon. Um, Later, they would have kings in Israel, but... At this point, they do not. The book of Judges is a time, since there was no king, in which it was kind of every man did what he thought best. As it puts it, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's a theme in the book of Judges. Uh, A co-theme with that, running parallel, is the fact that they did evil in the sight of the Lord, Judges 13, verse 1. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes, but the Scripture puts it they were doing evil, even even though in their eyes they were doing what was right. Now, that can happen at the same time, you know. I do what I think is right, but in God's eyes, it's wrong. And this is the theme of the book of Judges. Here's an example. Samson. Maybe you've heard of Samson. It says that Samson wanted to marry a girl who was not uh, a worshiper of the God of Israel. And he says to his parents... In the book of Judges, chapter 13, he says, Get her for me because she's right in my eyes. 
Uh, here's a clue on finding a wife. By the way, I've been married 43 years, so I have some expertise in the area. Amen. 43 years today, by the way. <laughs> I, I told her I'd try another 43 if, if, uh, if she'd have me. But one of the things that, that Samson did is he chose a wife based on what was right in his own eyes. Choose a wife that is right in God's eyes. Find them in a church, not in a bar. Amen. What do, who does God want you to marry? Don't take Hollywood's definition of love. But Samson wanted to marry a, this girl that was right in his own eyes, so we we're not surprised when we find that the marriage didn't last. They needed a king. Now, Deuteronomy 17, and if you pull this verse up there for me, uh, Deuteronomy 17, verse 18, actually gives permission for Israel to have a king. It says that when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, Deuteronomy 17, 18, he is to write for himself in a book a copy of the law, the law of God and the scripture up to this point. It wasn't complete, but what they had. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord by keeping the words of the law. He's to have his own copy, write for himself in a book, a copy. He's got his own Bible. And it shall be with him. He's to keep it with him wherever he goes. Carry it around. King James Version. Big black Bible. And then he's to read in it all the days of his life. Every day, read the Bible. That's the king. And as he reads in it and fears the Lord, he then guides and protects and provides for the people based on the word of God. That was the king in Israel. Now, what you have in the book of Judges is what a society looks like and what it becomes like when there's no one to guide it in the things of God. And we just do what is right in our own eyes. Then what you have is a society that looks like the book of Judges. This, is, this section that we're going to look at for a few minutes this morning uh, comes from a story that takes up, uh, starting in chapter 19, 20, and 21, three chapters at the conclusion of Judges. I'm going to summarize it for you. I do hope you'll go back at some point and read these three chapters. Uh, it will uh, help you to see what a government or a society looks like when God's word is neglected and everybody does what they think is best. Let's look, let's begin in chapter 19, 
verse 1. In those days when there was no king in Israel, a certain Levite was sojourning in the parts of the hill country of Ephraim. And he took a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. And she was unfaithful. And so she goes home. And this begins the section of chapter 19, 20, and 21. You have a broken relationship, an unfaithful wife or concubine, and she goes home to her father, which is quite a distance, and the priest, to his credit, goes after her. Now this is what you have in Judges chapter 19. Chapter 19, verses 3 through 9, basically is the priest who goes after his wife or concubine to bring her home. He, he stays all week long with the father-in-law, who evidently was happy to see him. He comes, he then leaves and goes to a village called Gibeah in Benjamin, one of the tribes, one of the 12 tribes. Give me that little map, if you would. Uh, Benjamin is so small, you can hardly see it. So I'll put the arrow there so you can point it out. It's strategically located. It's not far from Jerusalem, but it's very small, and he's on his way to Ephraim, which is not far. So he's in the little tribe of Benjamin. Uh, the first king, by the way, King Saul, came from Benjamin. Who else came from the tribe of Benjamin? The Apostle Paul, Philippians 3. He said, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. So he comes to this, uh, the tribe of Benjamin, and he's kind of, it's at night, late in the evening, and him and his concubine, for he has retrieved her, they're out in like an open park area. Um, look at Judges chapter 19 and verse 16. Judges 19 and verse 16. It says, An old man was coming from his work in the field at evening, and he was from the hill country of Ephraim, sojourning in Gabeah. The men of the place were Benjamites. And he saw the traveler in the open square. The old man said, Where are you going? He said, Well, we're going to Ephraim. And if you drop down in verse 20, the old man said to him, Peace to you, I'll care for your wants, but do not spend the night in the open square. This is not safe. So he tells this priest and his concubine, You come and stay with me. And here's where it takes an ugly turn. Verse 22, Judges 19, verse 22. And as they were making their hearts merry, the men of the city, worthless fellows, surrounded the house, beating on the door. And they said to the old man, the master of the house, Bring out this man who came into your house, that we may know him. Now we've commented on the word know, and the word know does not mean we want to meet him, but it means we want to have sex with him. 
Adam knew Eve and she conceived. So a couple of points here. One is, this is men who want to know this visitor. He has his concubine. They want to know him, not her. And a second thing is, this is Benjamin. This is one of the tribes of Israel. And I might just add that this story sounds a lot like what? Sodom and Gomorrah. Because if you remember the story of Sodom in Genesis 19, Lot was in Sodom and they surrounded Lot's house and wanted to know the visitors there as well. And the angel struck them blind. So this is, it's as if Benjamin has become like Sodom. The tribe of Benjamin, God's people. So they force the situation. Now look at verse uh, 22. They surround the house and said, bring them out that we may know him. Verse 23. And the man, the master of the house, went out to meet them and said, No, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. This man has come into my house. Do not do this vile thing. Verse 24. Here is my virgin daughter and his concubine. Let that sink in there for just a moment. They surround the house, want to rape the man. And he... The owner of the house comes out and says, don't do this wicked thing. Here's what you can do. I have a virgin daughter. Here you go. And also his concubine. Here you go. But don't do this wicked thing. And verse 24. Here's my virgin daughter and concubine. Let me bring them out. Violate them and do with them what seems good to you. Notice that. What seems good to you. To you. They're doing what's right in their own eyes. But the men, verse 25, would not listen. So they seized his concubine, made her go out, and they knew her and abused her all night till the daybreak. Verse 26. As morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door where the master was till it was light. And he comes out, verse 27 to go on his way, and there was his concubine lying at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. In verse 28, he said to her, Get up, let us be going. Isn't that a little harsh? She's dead. She dies after being abused all night. Uh, somebody said to me this morning in the early service, he said, you know, Hollywood could make such a movie out of this story. Man, what a, what a tremendous... And, and um, if they wanted an R-rated movie, they've got one right here. And here is this woman, and the, the actual original text, here it says, get up and let us be going... It's very, it's even shorter than this. It's brisk. It's, it's harsh. Get up and let's go. 
Now remember the point, though, which is probably why Hollywood has never preached this story or made this story. The point is, what does a society look like when you follow your own ideas of right and wrong? So she's dead. So what does he do? It says, verse 29, when he entered his house, he loads the corpse onto a donkey, takes her home, then he takes a knife. (laughs) I'm glad the children have now exited the building or, or the gym. It says he takes a knife, verse 29, cuts her into 12 pieces and sends a piece through all the territory of Israel. One piece per tribe. And says, here is what has happened to my concubine. What are we going to do about it? So chapter 20, verse 1. All the people of Israel come together from Dan to Beersheba, including the land of Gilead. The congregation assembles that was one man and present themselves in the assembly of the people of the Lord. And it says there were 400,000 soldiers. They looked at this. They said, one of our tribes did this. He said, yeah, the tribe of Benjamin did this to my concubine. And so they gather together as one person with all their soldiers. Now that's the background to what they're going to do. They all assemble and debate it and go to war. The other 12 tribes, they go to war with the Benjamites. 400,000 to 26,000. Only about 26,000 in, in, in the tribes of Benjamin. Um, they have three battles on three different days. The first day, Benjamin wins. Remarkably, 26,000 against 400,000. The second day, the tribe of Benjamin wins again. But the third day, they are overwhelmed and 400,000 soldiers defeat the 26,000 Benjamites. Now look at chapter 21 and verse 6. Chapter 21, verse 6. They start to feel a remorse about obliterating the tribe of Benjamin because there's only 26,000 soldiers, men, to begin with. They lose 25,000 of them. Over 25,000. So now there's only a few hundred left. And they're afraid that one of the tribes is going to be gone. They don't want to lose one of the 12 tribes. So they have this remorse. And they come together... And in chapter 21, beginning in verse 6, the people of Israel had compassion for Benjamin, their brother, and said, One tribe is cut off this day. What shall we do for wives for those who are left? Since we have sworn by the Lord that we're not going to give any of our daughters to them. They come up with this, with a couple of ideas. Rather than letting the tribe of Benjamin be totally wiped out, they said, here's what we might do. Somebody said, who didn't send soldiers to fight them? Is there any village? And somebody piped up, yes, Jabesh Gilead. There's a village there in Israel, and they didn't send a single soldier. 
And so here's what they do. Chapter 21, verse 10. The congregation sent 12,000 of their bravest men and commanded them, Go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead with the edge of the sword and the women and the little ones. And this is what you shall do. Every male and and every woman laying with a male you shall devote to destruction. But then they found 400 young virgins who had not known a man. They brought them to the camp in the land of Canaan to give to the Benjamites. Now remember, this is what happens in a society. When you follow your thinking, you ultimately move into madness. And Israel now does to one of its own villages what the original Benjamites had done. They're simply doing the same thing on a larger scale. They said, wipe all of them out, even the men, the, all the men, women, and the children, but save the virgins. Bring them and let's give them to the Benjamites. Kidnapping and rape. Then they come up with another idea. Well, something else they said is that we can have a feast every year. They had uh, these feasts in Israel each year and everybody would come. And we'll let the Benjamites know this is in verses 19 to 21, chapter 21, verse 19 to 21, that if the Benjamites see dancing girls happy at the feast, they grab them and run off with them. And we will not chase them. Thus supplying the Benjamites with more wives. Again, kidnapping, rape. So that the original crime of which they had reacted with soldiers, they are now reproducing on a larger scale. What happens when a society does not know the Lord and does what is right in its own eyes, does not know the scriptures, and has no king to guard and guide and oversee it? And this is what it looks like. A teacher said to me one time that she broke up a fight in her classroom between two boys. And she found out that the fight was over one of them's daddy being in jail uh, more times than the other one's daddy. One of them had been three times and another had been five times. They were fighting about whose daddy had been in jail the most. Where does that kind of thinking come from? When there's no king, no godly king, every man does what's right in his own eyes. It's right to you. So this is where they have now come to. Now let me point out three things that happen in a society that does what's right in its own eyes. One, of course, is sin. Automatically, it goes to sin. The whole thing starts with the sin of the priest and the concubine and ends up with the same sins as Sodom and Gomorrah. They do evil in the sight of the Lord, but they are right in their own eyes. A second thing is death. Uh, When you have a society that does not know the scriptures, 
They do not know the stories of the Bible. And they do not know the themes of the Bible. They will do what's right in their own eyes. This, uh, a few weeks ago, on one single weekend, 50 young people were shot and killed in Chicago. You hardly hear anything about it on the news. It's a society that has descended. It always ends in violence and death. Uh, I put a list. Uh, this I don't know if it, this may be partial list. Give me the list of the the numbers that died in this story. Of course, there was the woman, chapter nineteen twenty eight. Twenty five thousand one hundred Benjamites. They died in the battles. It's also twenty five thousand one hundred mothers with broken hearts, or wives without husbands. Children without daddies. Think of the sorrow. And among the Israelites, 40,000 were killed. I just went through the story and counted the deaths. That's the direction. It's a descent into violence and death. And of course, the whole city of Jabesh Gilead with their women and children. Then a third thing is madness. They, They end up doing the same thing. Whenever you do what's right in your own eyes and lose the grip and grasp of Scripture, sin, violence, and madness, it becomes a society that makes no sense. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 3. The heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness is in their heart. The farther you get from God and His Word, the more illogical and nonsensical will be your decision-making process. The farther you get from God and His Word, the closer you get to God and His Word, the wiser will be your decisions. Listen to Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Lean not to your own understanding. And notice that. Lean not to your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Warren Wiersbe says the Bible can be divided into three sections. There's the section from Genesis to Judges. That's like a, a whole section where there's no king. Every man's his own king. Then from the book of Ruth and 1 Samuel, Ruth follows Judges, but Ruth introduces the line of David. So from Ruth and 1 Samuel on is the kings we choose. Man's kings. Man is the king. But then from the New Testament forward, It's the king God himself chose. Christ the king. From no king to man is king to God is king. And that's the direction of the Bible. If you look at the the section, no king, it descends into Judges 21. That's how it ends the, the, the section. If you look at the section on man is king in Ruth and 1 Samuel, Look at the king, Saul. He was the first one. 
ended up a suicide. Look at the best of them. If you look at 1 Kings and 2 Kings, they're all bad idolaters. If you look at the good kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, look at David. Ended badly. Started good, ended badly. Look at Solomon. Ended badly. Where is a good king that can lead us to the Father and give God's word to us? And then you come to the New Testament. It's Christ the King. Is there any king who was ever obedient all the way unto death? Ah, Philippians 2.8. He was obedient unto death. Is there any king who is able and willing to love you to the end? John 13.1 Having loved his own in the world, he loved them right to the end. Dear friends, we have a king. And what a wonderful dispensation or period, a gospel age to live in. The age of Christ the king, ascended to the right hand of the father, king and priest forever. We have a king in the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not have to follow our own insights. We do not have to follow the the ideas of a pagan world. We have a king faithful to God who loves us and will love us to the end. And that's the message of Judges. You can't be your own king. Someone else can't be a, a, a good king. Ultimately, every man will fail as king. But we don't have to despair because in Christ... There's a king of kings and a lord of lords. It's to him that I point you today. I hope that you will crown him lord of all in your life. Make him your king. As Matthew 6.33 says, Let us seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to us. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you today that we live in a time when Jesus Christ, the King, uh, shows himself true in every respect. We praise you for sending him, for crowning him King of kings and Lord of lords. We ask you, Heavenly Father, to give us your strength by the Holy Spirit that we might ever bow the knee to him, obey him, and follow him. We pray this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.